0: There's so much tied up in hair and identity for everyone, Mm. but especially for black women, because Mm. it's been something that more so in the US, I mean, definitely here, but the US is very, you know, politically sensitive. Black women's hair has been policed so much Mm. and just the way that our hair grows out of our head is, you know, seen as not professional, not appropriate for the workplace and that's such a like heavy burden to carry when you have to physically change yourself in order to be accepted and seen as you know professional and and an acceptable kind of member of working society.
1: I'm Alison Rice, and welcome to Offline, the podcast. These are honest conversations about true self with the people behind the Instagram accounts and the teachers who help us on our way. A lot has changed since I launched Offline in September 2018. It started as a podcast, and thanks to your ongoing support, it turned into a movement. Today... Offline exists to help us explore the essence of who we are and how to live, create, and succeed in alignment with that. This is our true self. There's the podcast, a series of online courses I've created with our collective needs in mind, and experiences that allow us to connect as a community. Visit getoffline.co to find out more, or follow getoffline.co on Instagram. I hope this episode helps you on your way. Thank you for being here. My next guest is one to watch. I've been intrigued by Mava Haim for a couple of years now. I met her after a Women in Media event I spoke at in 2018. I'm privileged to meet so many young women at events like that one, but right away I knew Mava was someone special. She grew up in Perth, and like so many of us from smaller towns, she had fierce ambition. Her career story is relatable because it's common in the very best way. She did an expensive law degree and then realized she couldn't carry the burden of what it meant to practice. So she step changed to marketing, content creation, and now product development. Here's why Maeva is one to watch. She's set to revolutionise and democratise the haircare space as we know it. At the time of recording, she's developing Australia's first texture-inclusive haircare brand, Bread Beauty Supply. Sick and tired of feeling underrepresented in marketing meetings, where discussing shade ranges and using black models was frowned upon, Maver decided to develop a haircare brand that speaks directly to the women who have been taught to chemically relax their hair. Bread encourages women to explore and embrace their natural texture. Mava shares important insight into what it feels like to have to physically change yourself in order to be accepted and seen as professional in the workplace and the world at large. She's a shining example for women everywhere that when we don't see ourselves represented in products, in the media or on platforms like Instagram, it's in our power to change that. Maver has been a fierce supporter of mine since we met, so having an honest conversation with her is truly a full circle moment for both of us. Here's Maver and I for offline. I'm popping us in as she explained her literal roots in hair. Oh, and enjoyed the giggles we did.
0: Yeah, my mom had a salon, actually a hair salon. Oh, this is all coming full
1: circle for I me. Know. Okay, yeah, let's not jump ahead. So bizarre. Let's not jump ahead.
0: She did, yeah, <laughs> and it was like an African hair braiding salon, um, definitely the first in Perth, potentially in all of Australia. Um, wow, this was like early, early to mid nineties, um, and she started off in like this little garage. ...in Northbridge, which is kind of um, next to the city. It was a little more derelict at the time... ...but it's now been kind of, you know, revamped and gentrified. Um, But yeah, it was like this little garage in Northbridge... ...and she set up all her chairs... ...and people would come and get braids and dreadlocks... ...and um, cornrows and extensions. Um, And I used to go in there on the weekends with my friends... Me and my friend would sometimes busk out on the street doing little dances. Would you? <laughs> we were like ten. <laughs> That's adorable um, to make a little bit of pocket money. Got some pocket money, went to the movies. I'd answer phones. I'd do the diaries. I'd sweep if I had to. Um, and then my mum would get me braiding hair as well. So I learned how to braid hair really young. Um, but I loved it. It was really fun. Mm. Um And my dad's a public servant, so he's worked in um, property valuation for as long as I can remember. Um, And yeah, I just, I I really enjoyed my childhood. I think I was really lucky in the sense that um, my parents instilled a lot of confidence in me. Mm. Um, They let me do whatever I want Mm. um, within reason, um, but were always really, really supportive (laughs) If I wanted to be an actress, which I did at one point, they would take me to the classes and they would take me into my dance classes. And then I wanted to be a vet, and then I wanted to be a real estate agent. <laughs> what star sign are you? I'm a Gemini. Yeah, and do you know what your rising sign is? Um,
1: I feel like you're I do. like me, like a rising Aquarius.
0: I, it's something like that. Yeah, yeah. Look <laughs> at me,
1: like amateur astrologer, <laughs> because I'm a rising Aquarius. You must you be must as be well. Ge- <laughs> love it <laughs> um, you mentioned in a women article recently <laughs> is that how you say it I think so women and mm. women women article recently um, that your friend's mum asked if you ever felt left out mm-hmm. as a biracial young woman living in a predominantly white town yeah I thought it was really beautiful that you said sort of your 10year old self didn't yeah because we don't No, I guess, know what that even means at that age. But then now on reflection that you can identify that you were. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, And so I wonder for the women listening who've maybe also come to that realisation, like if you'd be open to unpacking that Mm. a little bit, like when you reflect back, what can you now see was happening or that it felt like perhaps?
0: Yeah, it's a weird one and it's something that I – kind of reflected on in adulthood um, because when you're 10 or when you're, you know, young, your lived experience is the lived experience. Mm. So you're like, this is just how it is. This is how everyone is. And I always kind of, I guess, I didn't see myself as different, but I saw myself as, I don't even know the word to describe it, but it was just my normal, Mm. you know, I was the only black kid in my whole school, uh, in my whole neighborhood, most likely, um, aside from my brother. (laughs) Um, and we weren't always in the same school. So when I was in primary school, he had gone to high school already. Um, but yeah, looking back now, I'm like, wow, that's pretty intense. Um, and I just think about different scenarios that kind of stuck with me. And now that I'm an adult, kind of looking at those situations with a different lens and you wonder, you're know, like, well, is that because I looked different and people treated me differently because of that? Mm. Um, Was well, this like being included in things at
1: school or...? Yeah, like yes. I
0: remember um, once I had a, re- a quite a good friend of mine... And we'd been friends for a little while, but I wasn't invited to her birthday party um, because her mum thought I was too bossy. <laughs> <laughs> and then I might cause trouble. Um, and then I also you remember. I know. Cause right, trouble. Me. Oh, I don't know. I was, <laughs> you know. Um, I also, yeah, remember one time in primary school. And I think about this now and I'm like, that is so bizarre. Just the most bizarre thing to happen to a child. And I almost disassociated. I'm like, that was me, but it was also like child me. What is that? So <laughs> we're in school and um, I was in, uh, we had two split classes, so five, six, and year six, seven. I was in the five, six class. Um, and there's kind of a dual story to this, actually. Um, so just in class doing my thing and I asked the teacher if I could go and get some water from the drink fountain and he said yes, no worries, went and got my water, came back to class uh, and then I think maybe 30 minutes later we had a teacher from another class come and knock on the door, asked to speak with my teacher um, and if uh, I could come outside for a chat. So I went outside and a, a girl who was a friend of mine um, – But kind of not really at that time uh, came out as well, and I was accused of stealing a lolly jar from the other class. Wow! And this person, who was a friend of mine, had um, said it was me, and the timing just worked perfectly because I had gone out of class. Did she steal the water and blame it on you? Yes. Essentially, mm. yes. But it was, a, it was a whole conspiracy. It was like her and a, a bunch of other girls um, and the teachers believed them and that, like, oh, I I, there was nothing I could do. I was like, I didn't do it. I have no idea why they would say it was me. I was just an amazing scapegoat apparently. <laughs> wow. um, eventually one of the girls fessed up and, and said it was them. Um, Did the teachers apologise? I actually don't remember if the teachers apologised But I do know that the girls were forced to apologise Of course Mm. Um, But yeah, I look back at that now And I'm like, that is honestly just
1: a really bizarre Discrimination
0: Yeah Mm. I also once had a teacher um, She was odd Anyway um, But I had a nose ring When I was in year 6, I think Or year 7 I was like 12 (laughs) Mom, can I get a nose ring? She was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and we weren't allowed, you know, piercings and especially not nose rings at school. Um, and so my mum told the school that it was for religious reasons. It wasn't. Um, she was like, well, that's what I'm going to say. So you don't have to take so it good. out. Yeah, I'm like, thanks, mum. And one of the teachers just really didn't like it. And she came up to myself and a couple of my friends when we were sitting at lunch And she said, I'm sure she's been fired by now or at some point got fired. Um, She said, you might think you're the baddest bitch in this school. Get fucked. But I'm here to tell you it's me. I'm not joking. (laughs) Wait, repeat that? I'm not joking. I I swear. You might think you're the baddest bitch in school. Yes. But it's me. Yes. (laughs) Yes. A teacher. Uh, a teacher, yeah. She obviously was, was dealing with some you. issues. <laughs> oh you know, stuff like oh that. My God. <laughs> <laughs> and then at one point, because I was in this five six class and I was grade six, my mum didn't like that. She was like, You're too smart to be learning alongside people who are one year younger than you. I'm I'm not into this. And there was this other class that was grade five, six, seven. Um, and they called it, um, I can't remember what they called it, but it was for like super high potential students. Oh my
1: God. Gifted and talented.
0: Something like they that. They called that. that.
1: Can I tell Gat. you a very quick story? <laughs> yes. <laughs> my mum knows this story. I think my mum's the only one that knows. And now everybody listening, <laughs> I, um, you know, you could like Audition for that class. Oh, wow. I don't or think if I had all you could. <laughs> <laughs> you could basically like sit a test or whatever. Oh, my God, yes. Yep. And the test was at like in a certain room on a certain date, a certain time. Oh, my God. And I couldn't find the room.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> They're like, you're out.
1: <laughs> I remember going home and telling because mum was like, how did it go? And I was like,
0: oh, you legit <laughs> never made it. I made it to the test. <laughs>
1: And I said to my mum, well, I couldn't find the room, so... And she was like, oh, oh. maybe that's, like, not the right class for you. Like, <laughs> maybe Like, not. If, you, you, if you can't find the room, you can't be in the gifted and talented no, class anyway. I don't think so.
0: But now that you say that... Look at me now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now that you mm. say that, yes, there was a test. But they had just selected the students for that class. And my mum was like, well, I want her to do the test. Let her do the test. And so I did the test and I'm assuming I didn't pass the test or whatever because my mum was like, right, I'm pulling you out. You're going to another school. Legit went to another school. Wow. For a whole week.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's really funny saying this
0: all out loud. I'm like, what an outrageous child. I don't know what's going on. Um... And I just obviously, you know, I I look back now and it was very much like my mum could see that I wasn't being treated fairly and she wanted to make sure that, you know, I had the best opportunities and education. And um, in this new school, I was in a um, a six, seven class. So I was learning with year sevens rather than year fives. Um, But I just wanted to go back and be with my friends. Mm. So... I lasted a week and went back. You're like, um, sorry, mum. I appreciate that you've
1: basically just like <laughs> <laughs> destroyed an example of the school. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm back. And now I want to go back there. Yeah. Oh, you're beautiful mum. Well, one of the <sighs> questions I had was, I guess, has she ever expressed to you, you know, that was it challenging for her also? Because I can imagine as a parent, mm. sending your child in mm. would be quite difficult to be like, are you going to, are they going to be okay? And are they going to be mm. accepted? And that's a really sad yeah. reality. And like, what I also think is especially sad is in 2019, I don't know how different.
0: Yeah. That would be. Yeah. For know? kids now. Mm. Um, we've actually never spoken about it, but I would say, I think she probably had confidence in me being mm. able to fit in. Um, and I did like, I made some really beautiful friends and I got to reconnect with some of them when we went to high school and ended up at the same high school. Um, so yeah, I'm not entirely sure, Mm. but I'd love to ask her Mm. while I make her listen to the episode. It's an
1: interesting thing. Like as I, you know, have ambition to be a mum, I think I'm starting to consider that point more Mm. and consider things from that point of view to be like, yeah, how would I deal with that? How would I feel about that? Yeah. You know, like, you're so protective of the ones you love the most. Totally. And I kind of want to, like, when I say, like, protect for me, it's like I kind of want to, like, if anyone bullied my friends at school, Mm. I'd be the one that was like, you can't do that. And then I would start getting bullied.
0: (laughs) Same. Yeah.
1: (laughs) You know, so I wouldn't wish my teenage self. Yeah. Years, like, oh, my God, that was. um. I also learned in this one article I found on (laughs) Google about you. (laughs) Thank God that was very popular. Thank you, women. (laughs) Um, That you did a double degree in law Mm -hmm. and that you had a focus on impacting social justice issues affecting marginalised groups. Mm. And I thought that was quite profound, that part of the article, in that I wonder now if you identify with the word activist and I guess I'm getting ahead of myself because we are going to talk about the work that you're, the space that you're moving into and the work that you're going to be doing through your new beauty brand, mm. well, your only beauty brand, but your upcoming <laughs> beauty brand. <laughs> and so I wonder, yeah, if you identify with that word activist or if that's, yeah, something that maybe you're realising now that you didn't before or? Mm.
0: Um, I don't know. I, th- I feel like almost as if. Perhaps my past self identifies more with that. Interesting. Um, When I was kind of in that space, in the legal space and actually working with people and and helping people directly, um, I'm almost trying to, I guess, channel my skill and my industry knowledge into creating something that I hope will have the same kind of impact Mm. that I could have had if I had continued with law. But actually not the same kind, more impact. Um, Because one of the reasons that I decided not to pursue law is because when I was in it, it felt very much like We're pawns in this game and the only way that we can actually make a difference is if we're the people at the top that have the quote-unquote power Mm. to affect legislation, to affect how this actually plays out in the legal system. Because when you're in it and you're the lawyer or the solicitor or you're in legal aid... You can make a difference on the ground, but it's really, really hard to to feel empowered Mm. when you're just like doing the grunt work. Mm. Um, And then there's people up here who are making all of the decisions that affect everybody down there. And so I was like, maybe there's a way I can get up there so that I can have that impact. Mm. Mm.
1: What advice would you have for... Women listening that – I just think about young girls who choose a degree. Mm. So I had this firm belief that we just can't know what we want to do necessarily at bloody 18. No. When we have to pick, you know, what we're going to go and study. And and then we change so much and now the shape of our ambition changes and our interests change. What advice would you have for young women listening who have maybe – maybe they're um, – part of the way through completing a degree they already realise they don't Mm -hmm. won't use or or it says sector that they don't want to work in. So on reflection, you know, I think about like a double degree, I'm like, that's a lot of money. That's a
0: lot of money. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Especially a law degree. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think just don't be so hard on yourself and be open to the possibility that you'll change your mind. Um Mm -hmm. And for me, I think there was always something in the back of my mind that said, you know, hedge your bets, mm. um, which is the reason I did a double. So I did law because I was like, I, I really enjoyed it. I loved the law and the legal system and I actually really enjoyed writing as well um, and a lot of legal studies and practices about writing. So I was like, yes, I like to write. I can be a lawyer. Um <laughs> But I did the business degree because I was like, well, I want to get to the end of this law degree, but I'm probably not going to be able to get there unless I have some, you know, units of study that are are a bit more creative. Mm. And, you know, if law doesn't go as planned, at least I then have a business degree that I can kind of fall back on. Mm. Um, It'll add a year or two to my studies, but I think it'll be worth it. So I think, yeah, just giving yourself that space to know that you will most likely change your mind. Mm. Is and important. it's very normal It's so normal To change your mind Because so I think there's normal. a bit of
1: guilt there isn't there Of like Especially for people whose parents might be helping them pay for it Like mm. I just did the hex thing yeah. And I remember once I did um, I mean perhaps uh, Well I am lucky that I knew what I wanted to do from a young age And that I knew I wanted to write and be a journalist And I mm. guess I ended up in an area of that But I remember the day I paid out my hex Mm-hmm Cause it was like on the back of the promotion and to be honest, I wasn't even on that much bloody money, but Mm. I'd had a little chunk of it left and I just remember it was the most fulfilling thing Mm. just to to like directly transfer that and then that be gone from my life, like to have studied and pay for it myself and then paid off before I was 30.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I'm so far from both of
1: my <laughs> But extent. yours would have been way more expensive than mine. I went to the University of Western Sydney in Penrith mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and I, I studied don't. journalism for three years. Mm. And mine was indexed quite low then, especially right. out west. Yep. So I think mine, like, I want to say mine was like 16 grand. Oh, wow. 17 grand. Okay. And then I know, like, well, one thing I didn't know that I know now with Hex is doesn't it. Um, You pay
0: on the price it's worth today, not the price you did the degree. Correct. (sighs) Insane. But that's not okay. So the longer it takes, the more you pay. pay And it's really, it's a pretty fucked up system, to be fair. it is. But at the time, you're like,
1: it's kind of like pre-education. Exactly. Not. (laughs) The time you're like, this is fine. (laughs) Um, So you've said that you didn't go into practice law, Mm. but you did go into marketing.
0: I did. Why? (laughs) Great question. Um, I think at the time, so I'd done quite a bit of work experience um, and as part of my degree, I also worked on um, the Innocence Project which is Mm. about, um, you know, working on cases where uh, people who have been incarcerated um, claim innocence um, and we investigate the cases and figure out if they are factually innocent, um, not Legally, Like if there's some kind of legal loophole, it's about factual innocence and people who have been wrongly um, incarcerated or um, prosecuted. Um, so I'd been in that world for a bit and I'd worked on, you know, some murder cases wow. and people smuggling and it was really, it was a lot. Mm. And I remember I was working on this one case. It was a very high profile. And I came home one day and I remember sitting in my car And thinking I had this I can't remember I was like a USB or something, and I had discovered something that could be quite critical to the case. I remember holding it in my hand and I was like, This is a lot. And I don't know if I can carry. Yeah. I don't know if I can carry this burden for the rest of my life, if this is going to be my work. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, can I do this for the next forty years? Wow. And the answer was, no, I can't. And if I can't work in this space, then I'd have to work in commercial law. And I was like, that would just drain my soul. Mm. So there's no way I'm doing that. Um, And then I was like, you know what, maybe I can put my drive um, and my, I guess, desire to Succeed, quote unquote, mm. um, into something in business. I like business. I enjoy it. Um, I was discovering that I was actually quite creative mm-hmm. at that time, which I didn't really know or ever thought Cause you that I was. Because you probably one of the more creative people I know, if I think about really? it. Like, yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Interesting.
1: And so you, yeah, so how, so what age was that? I never thought I was creative.
0: Yeah, that was in my early 20s and I was like, I like creative things. I was, at the time, I'd started making my own clothes. I had a vintage fashion shop. That's Um, the
1: image I found
0: on Google. Well, yeah, it had a blog. (laughs) (laughs) Alongside it. This Um, photo I saw... Because
1: really there isn't a lot about you on the internet, if I'm completely honest. That's
0: really good to hear. It is good
1: for you. <laughs> I'm screwed. You can, like, read Pop Sugar Stories circa 2012 yeah, yeah. of me, like, ten, <laughs> 10 ways to reduce your waste. <laughs>
0: Fuck. Oh, no.
1: We're in trouble. I should probably get them taken down.
0: You should try and yeah, get that archived. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Be bad for the brand. <laughs>
1: but the photo I saw of you, you looked like the cutest oh god you had like what knee photo high socks on oh that phase Yeah, i had I'm that to phase think about too that photo knee Which high photo? socks on you had like little denim shorts oh okay yep your hair was did, did I, have I have a hat on you had a little hat on <laughs> i <laughs> just a little hat not a big hat <laughs> i had an identical well i guess we were all going through that phase and that was very yeah. much like the gary pepper vintage it phase it was the gary pepper
0: i followed her from Nicole, the very we love you. Beginning the blog spot yes i still remember her old just like scroll posts yeah and she started doing the shoes with the socks yes i was like oh yeah love her
1: i used to wear those outfits and like go and watch bands with my (laughs) my
0: girlfriend tracy (laughs) i
1: can't remember what it was called Oh, God, that's like another life. Yeah. That just like I had this flash then of like, wow, you've Who is so far. this person? Yeah. But I thought that was interesting that you, you didn't identify as creative until later because mm. I think that that's kind of um, interesting and not normal. Like a lot of creative mm. people feel creative. Yeah. You know, and they kind of have those characteristics as young people. Yeah. But, yeah, when I think about you – You know, as much as I'm still getting to know you in a lot of ways, I always think like creative, vision, innovative,
0: making, producing. So nice. Hmm. Yeah, no, I never saw myself like that. I always thought I was very logical Mm. and pragmatic and I could study law because it was very like this is Those things? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But... But yeah, I started to understand that I was kind of creative and I was like, right, if I'm not going to do law, then maybe I should do business. And if I'm going to do business, I want to do something creative. I want to do the fun part. Exactly. I was like, if I'm making this choice, then let's make it fun. Yes. And I was looking at, you know, some of the minors within the um, degree and I was like, marketing, cool. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, Never Not looked quite back. <laughs> understanding exactly what that meant, um, but I, I still like, don't know a lot of the yeah, time. Yeah, no, it's so mm. varied. <laughs> I don't know. But I was like, yeah, marketing, cool. Um, what sort of internships can I get in marketing? Um, and that's when I discovered that there was this whole world of consumer goods, mm. and that you could work for a company like Craft. And create the ads for peanut butter. And I don't know why, but that really excited me. (laughs) Do you like peanut butter? I do like peanut butter, (laughs) yeah. But I do not know that I like it that much. (laughs) Um, But I just thought it would be really cool to kind of Mm. go behind the scenes of these brands that I'd seen on TV. And, you know, coming at that from the perspective of a Perth girl who's in this tiny little town. It's that, pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm like, cool, oh, I can move to the East Coast and mm. work for one of these big brands. Um, and so then I, yeah, decided mm. to...
1: And then you kind of step change pretty quickly out of corporate into startup. Yeah. I feel. Yep. Yeah. And that's interesting. Mm. So did you know as soon as you got into the corporate environment that wasn't going to be for you?
0: No. No. So I um, was very much intent on climbing the corporate ladder, um, and making... This is wild to me.
1: As I sit across (laughs) from you, I'm like, what? You? (laughs) Who? Like so many women trying to get their start, Maeva applied for internships and got knocked back. It wasn't until a networking event in Melbourne that she met some L'Oreal executives and ended up landing an internship that required her to press pause on her study and move to Melbourne. But like many first jobs, the reality is it's hard and sometimes we don't perform as well as we thought we would
0: it was really hard <laughs> it was tough um especially the first 6 months yeah it was like torture wow mm.
1: i've had one of those jobs mhm mm. like um like physically and mentally demanding yes yeah more mentally mentally yeah yeah um, i had a job once that um is the opposite of mentally demanding, <laughs> and I literally would have to try and keep myself awake at my desk. Oh. So I would have micro naps mm. sitting up. <laughs> I was so
0: bored. Oh no! Anyway,
1: but you know those jobs where you're like,
0: you're counting, you're looking at the I, clock. Oh, yeah,
1: I. It was like it's
0: bizarre. Three like... minutes to go, and then okay, off oh, I'm off. <laughs> Yeah, it's so weird to – because mm. I've had one of those as well and the experience is so different because mm. you, when you're in that mentally demanding role, it's like there is no time. Time is gone. Yeah. And it's never coming back. <laughs> <laughs> but the feeling when you wake up is perhaps similar of the dread. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, you're the totally. dread going because you're going to fall asleep when you get there. <laughs>
0: yes, you're like, I'm or you're wasting <laughs> my life away. <laughs> That's how I felt. Yeah. But this was not one of those. No. <laughs> This was like, I am at the desk till midnight. Wow. um, Doing all sorts of things. And the hardest part about it was that in those first six months, it was super demanding and it was really hard. And because of that, I wasn't doing a good job. And even though I felt like I was putting in so much and like at my maximum, um, like my boss, and the people around me didn't think so, mm. um, which is really more hard. Crushing. Yeah. And because that. That
1: immediately um, triggers and validates our low self worth. Mm. When it's realized, you're like, yeah. in your mind, you're like, I knew it.
0: Yes. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> see, I'm, I am I'm shit. shit. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh. Yeah, devastating. Mm. Um, but. I remember my boss at the time pulled me into a room and it was, I think it was like the six-month review or something like that. Um, And she said, I'm really disappointed um, just in the work. Um, And I think by that stage, I was so over not being valued and basically... Feeling like it was just the end of the world. Yes. Even though I was putting in so much effort and doing so much work, that I kind of snapped and was like, "If you don't think I'm performing, I will find another team." Wow. (laughs) (laughs) She was a bit shocked, like, "Oh, okay." Um, I said, "Yes, I'll chat to HR after the meeting." Great. Go you. I couldn't believe it I
1: was like Well sometimes we have to get that angry and offended Mm. To actually say anything
0: Mm. Don't we Yeah Mm. Was like a real turning point I think for Me And for her as well And Pretty much from that point forward It was a complete 180 I think I lost all inhibitions And was Mm. like I don't care you maybe got a better manager as well. No, no, same same manager who actually... Oh, so you stayed on the team. I ended up staying on the team. So I, I did speak to HR. They were like, oh, we might have something at this time, this time. And it was very wishy-washy. And I was like, cool, I'll just hang on until then. Um, Literally. Yeah. But uh, a mentor at the time, someone from another team, I remember, took me <laughs> for a coffee and was like you know, you're on a really tough team and it is very demanding because I was ready to walk. And she said, "Um, are you learning? And I was like, yeah, you know, I am learning. It might be hard, but on a daily basis, I'm definitely learning something. (laughs) And she said, well, I think you should stay if you're learning. And I was like, okay. Okay. Let's do this. And, and like, oh, that's the moral high yeah. ground. Fuck. <laughs> so and I can't just quit and move oh, home. Yeah, oh, yeah, so I can't. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> but then, yeah, from then on every day I was just like, I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning. <laughs> Holding on to your desk. Yeah. But no. um, other people in the business started telling my manager um, how great I was and giving really good feedback, which was really nice for me because it wasn't like I had to speak up and say, I'm doing this and I'm so Mm. great at this. Um, And, yeah, it completely flipped around. And I actually love that manager that I had. And she's actually a really good friend of mine still today. I'm so glad I didn't say what I was going to say before when you were talking. I was going to say, who is this bitch? (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) Um, And that was a really tough time, I think, for everyone on Mm. that team. Um, And I think from a manager perspective, having been
1: there before, When someone's not performing to your expectations in a role, it actually is, well, certainly I took it on as a reflection of my leadership, Mm -hmm. not their inability to do the job. Right. And so she may have even been there too, where it's, you do feel quite frustrated because you're like, what else can I be doing? Or what am I doing right? Why aren't they getting it? Yes. You know, and then you go into that spiral of, have I hired the wrong person? Yeah, Am I getting this wrong myself? Mm -hmm. And then it all just becomes this. Yeah. Vortex.
0: Definitely. But she was actually a great manager Mm. and, yeah, was awesome by the end. Was like, you know, looking for roles for me by the end of it. So good. Yeah.
1: That's a great um, story and lesson in Mm. hanging on. Yeah. And changing the outcome. Yeah. Of your current situation. Mm -hmm. Because we do have the power to do that. But very, like, that person who took you for coffee, Mm. they need Flowers or something. What do they need? Totally. I'm sure you've sent them already. But like Mm -hmm. those um, pivotal conversations where you can't always remember the whole conversation, but there's a few sentences Mm. that land Mm -hmm. that you just never forget. Exactly. And I I will never forget it. Yeah. Incredible. And that's what we need to do is be that mentor to other women in in businesses, don't we? Like when you see someone struggling, take them for the coffee. Yes. And give them the words of advice that they need to hear because a lot of the time we're all fucking drowning in there. Yeah. (laughs) But we're not talking about it. Like even when I met you, Mm. I was drowning. Yeah. I had to be like, oh, good.
0: Yes, hello. hello, Yes, podcast. Great. (laughs)
1: Let's do it. (laughs) So I actually feel like that was all kind of small talk in comparison to what I would actually like to properly talk about. (laughs) Oh, God. Here we Um, go. Buckle up. You are developing or developed – Developing. Developing Mm -hmm. what, um, you know, I humbly think is going to be quite a game-changing beauty brand. Thank you. Um, And so first of all, I'm just extremely proud of you.
0: Oh, thanks.
1: (laughs) Thanks, It's so cool to like (laughs) watch that happen. And I will say to you when we first met, um, I found you very interesting and intriguing. And I guess I've been... Waiting patiently to see what you're going to get out and do. <laughs> and so when I saw that happen, I was like, here it is. Oh. Yeah. And I know it's been a long time yeah. in the making as well. So it's called Bread Beauty Supply. Mm-hmm. I just fucking love that name. <laughs> hair care <laughs> Basics for Not So Basic Hair. Uh-huh. Nice. Like. <laughs> um, but before we talk about the brand, mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about your relationship with your hair. Yeah. Because I feel like it basically stems from from that so talk to us about your relationship with your hair yeah perhaps now versus earlier in your life yeah and then how that came to sort of be the seed idea to
0: yeah what is now it's so funny because it's a really interesting question and I've never really thought about it in that context I've kind of always thought about it as like my relationship with beauty in general and hair is kind of the conduit to move in that direction Um, but yeah like I mentioned before my mum owned a salon when I was little Um, I have really really curly dense like coily hair so when it's not like fully like wet it's like afro textured Um, and when I was little and most women who have my hair texture I say most yeah um, chemically relax their hair so chemically straighten it Um, And that's something that I had done since I was really young, like six or seven. Um, And it's just a way to be able to manage hair and like living your day-to-day life without Mm. it being almost um, a burden because it's in some respects a lot harder to look after. It's very dry, um, needs a lot of moisture, needs a lot of love. Um, And so my hair was chemically relaxed for a really long time. Um, my mum also used to do a lot of different, um, what's called protective styling, So like braids and, um, extensions and that sort of thing. So when I was little, we'd go to Africa and, um, I'd get really, really long braids, like really thin ones all the way down to my bum. And I'd sit there for two days while my mum and all of these women are braiding my (laughs) hair. Wow. (laughs) Um... And I think that was actually a huge part of my identity as well. Um, And when I look back at that, I think that perhaps there was a big part of me that wasn't afraid of being different, even though I was really young and I didn't want to be different. I wanted to be the same as all my friends. But that was a part of my identity that was very different and unique. Um, And then as I got older, it's funny because... (laughs) I remember when I was living at home and my mum was always doing my hair, doing my extensions, and I was thinking about, you know, when I grow up and I move to the East Coast, who's going to do my hair? Mm. I was like, I don't know, can I move? I don't know if I can, if my mum's not there doing my hair. That wow. was a legit, like... Concern. Yes. Um, And then I think I was maybe... 16, when I first um, took out extensions, um, like from being in school, took out my extensions and decided to wear my hair out. Um, And that was a big change and a big, uh, I guess, shift in my mentality in terms of almost who I am. I was like, oh, this is me, and I can, I can operate in the world like this without the extensions, without the braids, um, and I can move to Melbourne and not have to worry about who's going to do my hair. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, and then I'd continued kind of relaxing it. I was very much under the understanding that big brands and big companies didn't care about me as a consumer and didn't care about other women who were like me as consumers. And the only way that they were going to provide products or experiences for us is if they could see, you know, the big kind of monetary incentive to do so. Mm. Um, And even though there was, you know, the evidence there, that that was possible. No one was really taking it seriously. Um, And we'd often be in meetings where it'd be like, no, we can't use the black model. And Mm. let's not talk about shade ranges while everyone's in the room. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. (laughs) Mm. Totally. (laughs) Um, And Decided I wanted to create something. Um, at the time, it wasn't going to be hair. There was no way it was going to be hair. I had avoided hair like the plague since I had left Perth. I never wanted to work on the hair brands, I never wanted to work in the hair division. I just didn't even think about it at all. I was like, makeup. I'm going to do a makeup brand. Um, And this was pre-Fenty. And Mm. I was like, there's a real opportunity here. And then I left L'Oreal and was very much on this process of removing products from my kind of beauty repertoire, like skincare products that had a lot of kind of known toxins in them, um, thinking about what I was putting on my body. But I was still relaxing my hair. And I went on this trip to the U.S. And I had, um, a relaxer in my suitcase and I was traveling from Colorado, sorry, from New York to Colorado and it exploded in my suitcase as it does and decided that I would stop relaxing my hair because I was like, why am I thinking about the products I'm putting on my skin and not Mm. the products I'm putting on my scalp? It's really bizarre. Um, and it does physical damage. It creates welts on your scalp like you get crazy breakage um and that was just part of the experience you just kind of that was just how it was you just cop yeah. it yeah you're like this is normal <laughs> <It's> definitely not <laughs> no um and then i was like wow i'm okay i'm going back to my natural texture and i literally had no idea what to do with my hair i didn't even know i had curly hair and i know that sounds wow really really strange but I legit did not know that I had curly hair. and it had been straight for so long. It, yes. I mean, I knew what the texture of my hair was, but I didn't know it was curly because if you wet it, you, you see the spiral curl, but I had no idea that's what my hair texture was. And if you Google that or look that up, you'll find that so many other women will say the same thing, that they had relaxed their hair their whole life and didn't realise that their hair texture was curly because they thought it was just, like, Afro, but it's actually curls. Wow. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. There's so much tied up in hair and identity for everyone, Mm. Um, but especially for black women, because Mm. it's been something that more so in the US, I mean, definitely here, but the US is very, you know, politically sensitive um, black women's hair has been policed so much mm. and just the way that our hair grows out of our head is you know seen as not professional and not appropriate for the workplace um, and that's such a like heavy burden to carry when you have to like physically change yourself in order to be accepted and seen as, you know, professional and and an acceptable kind of member of working society.
1: It's Mm. wild
0: Mm. and unfair. Yeah.
1: And so you're solving that problem. Oh, yep. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. You are. It's incredible. Mm. So
0: what is it? So I, when I kind of was like going on this journey of, um, of my natural texture, what am I going to do? What products am I going to buy? I don't know where to start. Um, and I went shopping around for products and um, I was just really kind of taken aback by the way that the whole kind of category looked. And I say in a very like business way, the category it is just, you know, just the way everything looked Um, because I'm a modern consumer like everybody else and all of the brands and the products that I was seeing were the same as they were in like 1996 Mm. when my mum had a salon and she would import products from America. And I was like, I don't want to use these products. And I don't know, first of all, most of them – really, really toxic. They're not natural, even though they're kind of, it's very greenwashed, Um, super confusing. Mm. I'm like, where do I start? Am I still shampooing and conditioning? Am I doing something else? Like, what am I doing? Um, All the names are super redundant. Like, there's so many different names for the same type of product and the whole experience was completely overwhelming and not inspiring in Mm. the way that beauty should be. It yes. should be fun and you're on a fun, adventurous journey rather than this thing that is like painful. Ugly and outdated. Ugly, and... painful, um, expensive mm. because you're spending a lot of money on products that, you know, maybe don't even work for you. And the brands aren't explaining to you how to go through this process. Yeah. Um, Or even educating you in a fun way. And so I was like, well, if nobody's going to do it, then I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Hopefully. Well, you are doing it. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Um. So I was like, I just want to create a really cool brand that is going to resonate with women like me who want their beauty brands to be aspirational, but not super expensive and just really thoughtfully made. Um and a brand that feels like something that you can buy into and be a part of as a community, mm. not in a really tacky way. Um, and so I started making it. <laughs> it's one thing to have an idea.
1: It's entirely another to execute it. It's so hard to know where to start, how long it will take, how much to invest. I asked Maeva to share what the journey has been like so far.
0: Totally. Yes. Um, it's been about how many years that you, since oh, you've been working on it from that trip. Oh, it's probably been about three years. Mm. Yeah, from that seed of the idea, maybe more. Um, yeah, it's been a journey. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Um, the first thing I did was actually look at the market data. Yeah. I was like, cool, I want this brand, but, like, what is everyone else doing? Like, what are people buying? Um, And there's, yeah, this massive shift away from relaxers. The whole category is dying. So I was like, great. Everyone wants to buy products to care for their hair rather than chemically straighten it. Um, This kind of multicultural consumer is driving like the total category growth because she's buying more. It's like awesome, huge opportunity. That's great. I knew I wanted to build something big. I didn't want to create something that was like, okay, cool, I'm going to create 50 units of each product. and
1: See, that's a really good point. And I've Mm. actually heard a couple of founders say that very thing. It's a decision in the beginning of whether you're going to be mass Mm-hmm. And not mass in a dirty way, but like yeah. mass, or yeah. if you're going to be like a limited run niche. Yes. Yeah. So yep. setting out from the beginning. I actually think Pip from PE Nation said that as well, that right. their desire was always to be mainstream and big. Mm. Yeah. From the beginning.
0: Yeah. I think it's an important point because the way you go about it will be completely different. If I was going the other route, I'd already be selling product. It'd be on the market It'd be like, go, go, go. Totally. Yeah. Um, but um, that's a motorbike. That is a motorbike. Outside, thank you, motorbike. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I knew I wanted to create something big and so I had to make sure that the market opportunity was big enough to accommodate that um, and found that I think it's – so at the time it was $2.4 billion on hair care, multicultural spend, but because they're not tracking the channels where – this shopper buys her product, like Independent Beauty Supply, mm. Ecom, every other channel except for the mainstream ones where they're actually not buying a lot of their product. So it would be Five hundred billion is what the analysts have said. Wow. Anecdotally, yeah, five hundred billion, um, which is huge. Mm. It's pretty much the size of the total beauty industry, the official number. Um. So I knew that there was an opportunity there to create something that had the potential mm-hmm. to be really big um, and I wanted to start knowing what the end was mm-hmm. in mind. Um, it's just
1: such phenomenal advice that you, you looked at the data first so you were able to make like data-led decisions
0: mm-hmm. when –
1: as creators, we just want to launch it. So we're like, I got this idea, I'm
0: doing it. But it's like, is there an actual need or not? like what's the reality? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it was really evident that there weren't any other, like the the kind of big conglomerates, it was evident that they weren't going to do anything Mm. super innovative in the space just based on the brands that they had in their portfolio, based on some of the launches that were coming out. Um, And I was like, cool, I think I've got a bit of time. To really think this out properly and do it and right, because right, you only get one shot to launch. And I think a lot of the advice that's out there is get to market quickly mm. and fail fast, um, especially in the startup space. Mm. And the way I've gone about it has yeah. not been like that at all. Me too. Um, yeah, it's slow, deliberate, slow, meaningful. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so that's why it's been a really long journey. I
1: bet you're ready to launch.
0: Yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> How far away is it? Um, I'd say around six to nine months. Okay, So depending still a on while. yeah. Um, depending on a few things, and you never know what kind of spanners will get thrown in. Yes. Um, can we talk
1: about the the product set, or is that still? top secret until
0: yeah no it's not top secret but it's um being finalized yeah um but essentially it's a kit the first kind of product um is a wash kit um so one of the first i guess transitions that you go through when you're um moving away from relaxer is like how do i even wash my hair and it's called wash day for a reason and it's because it takes so long to detangle the hair and all that kind of stuff Um, So I just really wanted to distill that whole process down to just three products that were really easy, really good for you um, and would make the process just super quick because a huge part of the, I guess, theoretical incentive is giving these women more time Mm. because that's super valuable and it's not fair that as women and especially women of colour, we have to spend so much time on things that other people don't have to spend time on. That's so have to spend so much time on our hair. We have to spend so much time just grooming ourselves to be out in the world, whereas, you know, men can just throw on a T-shirt mm. <laughs> and they have so much more time for everything else. So mm. um, the time factor is really important to or me. Or like
1: annoying blonde chicks like me who have dead straight hair and can just like... <laughs>
0: just wash it and wash walk out and the door walk out. like this is just sad, rock right? up at the office with, you know I just got behind my ears everywhere little king yeah, yeah. No. and you're like shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> yeah basically yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. yeah so that's the first um kind of product set uh, and there's like a co-wash um a mask um and a leave-in um and yeah. And where did the name come from? I think I get it, but I'm not gonna okay. <laughs> say what I think it is. Yeah. So I was um, it actually at the start was called something completely different. Was it? Yeah. I loved that. And you changed mm, the name. I did pretty quickly. <laughs> to okay. <be> honest. <laughs> oh no, not that quickly. I mulled on it for a while. But eventually I was like, it can't be this name. This isn't the name. Can we say what the name is or no? Yeah, it was it's um, <laughs> kind of embarrassing. <laughs> I bet it's not. Go. What is it? It was Unicorn Hair Labs. <laughs> Don't look at me like that.
1: <laughs> I exist in the world, not in judgment. Mm, okay, so you know, I you think sure? that's like cute and sweet. <laughs> so
0: cute. Oh, um, but you know that very quickly got trademarked. Just unicorn in the beauty category, which was yes. you know blessing in disguise. Because I was like, oh, okay, someone literally within a month. Um, And I was like, okay, I need to come up with a new name. I really need to think about what the products are and what the brand is. And it's really creating the basics. And the lifestyle. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And I was like, cool, what are basics in other categories? In clothing, it's a white shirt. In food, it's bread. It's like, Bread. 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 Okay, that could work. I didn't want it to be bread and butter because that's been used a lot. So I was like, I I feel like bread works on its own. Um, And then the extended name of Bread Beauty Supply is kind of um, making reference to this space where a lot of black women have historically shopped um, and modernising that concept um, and also giving us the breadth or I guess the longevity to be able to bring other products into the mix in the sort of mid to long term. Smarty. So it would be like all encompassing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Smart. <laughs> you know.
1: <laughs> I told Maeva I wanted to give her the opportunity to publicly thank the women who have helped her on her way. I encourage you to do this as much as you can. If someone gives you an idea, advice, makes an introduction or suggestion – Call them out publicly so we can all witness what women supporting women actually looks like. Mava went on to thank her mum, Jess, who was the woman who took her for coffee all those years ago, her sister-wives Susanna and Nikki, and Bethany, who is always there to help. Popping us back in as she gives thanks to the woman who told her to follow her idea for bread. P.S. I cut the part about me out and then I put it back in. Instead of minimising and omitting praise, I've decided
0: to be proud of me. So many people. Uh, Erica from Fluff. Um, I've
1: heard such incredible things about her.
0: Oh, she's an angel. She um, was actually one of the people who, pro- actually the person who, when I showed her what I was doing with bread, which was called Unicorn at the time, uh, told me to pursue it. And I was like, oh, I'm working on this makeup thing. Um, tell me what thing." She was like, oh, yeah, cool. And then I was like, oh, I've also kind of got this thing. And I showed her the deck and she was like, no, do that. Do that. <laughs> You're very good at a deck. Oh, thanks. <laughs> when you sent me
1: the Lady Brains deck. Yeah. I basically said yes just on pure... Pure deck. Deck. I was like, the deck's so good that I'm saying yes.
0: I love that. Yeah. It was very
1: impressive. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I do love a deck. Do you love a deck. Um, I need decks. I need someone to help with decks.
0: I can help with decks. I <laughs> no, know. You've got your own thing now. Um, there's, yeah, so many in my peer group. Um. Who I have to thank, um, also you. Oh, Dahl. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I remember, oh my God, I actually looked in my phone, because I was, I write a lot of things down in my phone notes. Me too. Yeah, and, um, I searched your name in it because I was looking for that dream and then this note came up from way back when and it was the first, um... It was the outreach that I had done to you after we'd met. And I was like, oh, so lovely to meet you. And, you know, you're a breath of fresh air. And you really were. I remember sitting in the audience, and it was like a panel of you and some other media um, people. Yes, it was a women in media panel at that, mm-hmm. I remember. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I was with my friend Cecile, who, finally enough, is with me in Sydney today. Cece. Yeah. Cece. Love her. Hello, Cece. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, I just remember thinking like, oh my God, just your energy and the things you were saying was very much in contrast to the rest of the panel. And I was like, she's cool. Oh, thank you. I remember that was a hard panel. It yeah. was Ita
1: Butros, like, hello, even being on a <laughs> panel with her. I was like, I don't do the imposter syndrome much, but I was like, this is ridiculous <laughs> that I'm up here. What a joke. No. Um, Kelly Harsh, Jackie Frank, yep. and Melissa Hoyer, I remember. Mm. And that was a um yeah, I'm thankful you bring that up because that was a a moment for me that I realized that I was I am the person I present to be. Mm. Cause for so long it was like it felt like a facade. Right. And that I was just trying to keep it all up and keep up appearances. Mm. But when I was able to deliver on that stage Mm. quite effortlessly, actually. Yeah. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. You more than got this. (laughs) You are this. Totally. This is you. Yeah. Um, But challenging traditional media ideals and leadership. Yes. Was not purposely my drum to beat, but kind of became it in in a way, in a really kind of weird way. And that was one example of... You know, and someone on that panel was not kind to me publicly. Yeah. You know, I think we'll leave that there. But that just showed me how much um, it's still such a fear-based mentality at that end Yes, for women's lifestyle media and then just the choice of like I'm just not subscribing to that. Yeah. Like you can't intimidate me and you can do it in front of this, you can say that in front of this crowd Mm -hmm.
0: but you look stupid. Yeah. And everybody in the room knows it. Exactly. It was so contradictory to Mm. what. Was being said yes. on the panel that I was yes. like, this is weird. I know. Like, what is happening? I was like, swallow me up world. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I was wearing the same dress as Glennis. Oh, what, no. Do you I don't remember Babby Zimmerman dresses. Oh, the whole thing. Oh, <laughs> oh, I was yes, just like, this yeah, is. Yeah. A... Um,
0: but no, I remember actually walking into that room, and because I'd been to a lot of events of that vein. And I remember walking into that room thinking, this feels very tight Mm -hmm. I was like I guess because it's like a fashion week thing it's a publication but it felt yeah very I don't know I couldn't I couldn't relax um but then it was so lovely to speak to you after Mm. because we'd spoken to some other people and it was very like "Mm," you know facade yes um and then to speak to you and you were so friendly and so I would have been like hello doll (laughs) (laughs) thanks for buying a ticket (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I was like, Alison, um, so how do you feel about... <laughs> the <Watch> fact that. <laughs> we're moving away from visual media and into audio media. What do you think about podcasts? I like had this whole thing planned out. Um, and you were so nice and just so normal. Oh, thank you. And I was like, oh, she's awesome. This exists. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really interesting to me because... Um, even at the time, it was like, oh, yeah, no, she was nice. And she's at the event, she's a speaker. Um, but I've noticed that you're always like that. Like, you will be at an event and you love talking to people. You're not the kind of person that is like on the panel, on the stage, and then will try and run out the door, run out the side no way. so that you can't be approached. Um, it's very much just who you are. Mm. Um, and even just chatting to you on DMs, I was like, you're just so approachable and so, um, honest and real. Um, like the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) This is awesome. Will you just keep going? (laughs) Makes you feel so good. Yeah, but you were also, you know, very nice and agreed to be on our podcast when we were in our infancy. We hadn't even, you know, recorded anybody yet and you didn't know us from a bar of soap. But you had a good deck. I had a great <laughs> deck. Thank you. Um, And I just really appreciate that. Mm, yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
1: nice. No, s- I mean, the three of you – um. And doing Lady Brains very special anyway, mm. and very close to my heart of like what you're trying to do there in that space, or actively are doing. Yeah. Um. But you in particular, like I mean it when I say I've been waiting very patiently. Oh. And I'm like, so what's it going to be? Because <laughs> you're saying it. it's not the
0: podcast.
1: <laughs> you know, it's not the hey Influences thing. Yeah. Knowing that there was going to be something, and so yeah. seeing that realized now, I'm like. Oh, and it's fucking better than I ever would have imagined. That's so nice. So um, I think what you're doing is terrific. Thank you. I never used that word. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know why I used it. Alison called me terrific. But it feels, yeah, like it's. I talk a lot about being additive Mm. and like you're creating something that is um, for community. Mm. You know, it's for um, a group of women who have traditionally been, as you know, underrepresented like – um, inaccurately represented, yeah. um, not represented, yeah. and speaking to them in a way that is cool and fun and relevant. Yeah, you know, I just think it's so good.
0: Thank you. Yeah. So,
1: mm. and I can't wait to see it grow. I'm like five hundred billion. You say. <laughs> <laughs> Give so me some when of you're that. really <laughs> fucking rich, <laughs> <laughs> will you sponsor offline? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, one last question. Yeah. Offline exists as an exploration of self. (laughs) Here we go. Who are we without the labels we put on ourselves, or that society puts on us? And so, when you're sitting in your true self,
0: Mm. who are you? I haven't thought about an answer to this, so it's going to be a lot of people say that, which is makes me happy. Mm. I think for me, I'm. Someone who just feels really deeply and I say that because when I am trying to figure out like what makes me feel, it's seeing inequality and it's seeing suffering Mm. and something physical happens to me where I'm like, I've got to do something and I don't know where that comes from Um, so I feel like that is just part of my matter Mm. and that's just my being and I don't it doesn't have a label like activism or anything like that so I think that is where I sit in my true self is just feeling really deeply and being I guess Motivated towards action of some kind mm. to alleviate that suffering.
1: Profound. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Something expect like anything that. less. <laughs> Incredible. Mm. Thank you for being on my podcast.
0: Thanks, Alison, for having me. What a pleasure. Mm.
1: Mm. Um, and thank you for my um, bread scrunchy. Oh, you're as we discussed, we're not sure I have enough hair to fit in it. <laughs>
0: You can wear it as a bracelet. (laughs) I will. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Offline. Visit getoffline.co to explore more episodes, the online courses I've created to help you succeed consciously and upcoming community events. Follow getoffline.co on Instagram and me. My handle is Alison Larson Rice. Lastly, if you know someone who would benefit from hearing these honest conversations, please share offline with them.